Hello, I'm Michael Hasted, and you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, bringing you interviews and news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We cover Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. was Avopert's Spiegel im Spiegel, which is used in Metamorphosen, a multimedia concert honouring the work of M.C. Escher at the Kunstmuseum in The Hague. Later, we'll be talking to Emlyn Stamm of the New European Ensemble, who'll be telling us all about it. But most of the programme is dedicated to Johannes Vermeer. I'll be talking to the curator of the exhibition in the painter's hometown of Delft and we'll be given a guided tour of the city's Vermeer Centre and talking to a local artist who has a Vermeer-inspired exhibition there. But first, I'm with Wendy Fossen, the art historian, and we're here to talk about Vermeer, as I think most people are going to be doing in the next few weeks because there seems to be Vermeer everywhere, namely at the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, but also several others. Yeah, we have here in The Hague, we have an exhibition on Jacob Frel, who is the precursor of Vermeer. He's uh, uh, basically um, doing what Vermeer is doing, but only uh, a couple of years before Vermeer. Um, and we have a beautiful exhibition which is coming up in Delft at the Prinsenhof. And there uh, is a show on Delft of Vermeer. So we're transported basically to uh, Delft, beautiful city, uh, which it already was or under construction. Uh, in the time of Vermeer. And I think this is the, 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 the main exhibition, the, one, the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam is, is really a landmark exhibition. I think it's the first major exhibition there's been of Vermeer and I think they have, what, 23, 24 out of... They've got 28 out of, what, 30, what is it, 34, 35 or 36? 36 or 37, depending on who you talk to. When you talk to the uh, National Gallery in Washington, they would say 36, but when you talk to the Rijksmuseum, they would say 37 because the one at, in Washington is um, uh, no longer considered a Vermeer by them, but the, the Rijksmuseum still says it is a Vermeer, so it depends on who you believe, it's either 36 or 37. So whichever way you look at they've got most of them. Yeah, well, they've got most of them, um, and 28 is extreme, that, that is an extreme number to have together, um, and it's something that is, is truly a once-in-a-lifetime because, for instance, there will be two or three works by Vermeer uh, of the Frick collection, and since the Frick collection is now under reconstruction, they can loan these three works to um, this show, uh, and once the Frick collection is ready to receive their own paintings again, uh, they will never leave the house because it, it was stipulated in the um, in the will of Henry Clay Frick that his collection would never leave the house. So once the house is ready, they will go back and they will never be on show again. Because I think uh, relatively few Vermeers actually live in Holland. Um, well, we have three in the Mauritshuis. There is 
four, I think, in the Rijksmuseum, so that still makes up one third of his, <laughs> his production. Uh, but we, in general, we think that he didn't even uh, paint much more. Uh, we think about 60 paintings that uh, he has painted. And we know that, for instance, because we have found an inventory list um, that was made, um, or, well, it's based on an inventory list. There was a, a list of sales of painting that were sold in the late 17th century uh, from the estate of um, uh, Dicius. And Dicius was the son-in-law of Peter van Ruyven. And Peter van Ruyven was the patron of Vermeer. And at one point, he owned 21 paintings of Vermeer. So in one collection. So that was quite extraordinary. And on that list, um, there are uh, um, uh, they mention um, another street. We know we have the street of the Het Straatje, the street of Delft uh, at the Rijksmuseum. But apparently, based on that list, we know there uh, should have been or there has been a second one, but we don't know where it is. Uh, but on the other hand, um, it took him quite a long time to paint a painting. Uh, he, it wasn't his prime job to be an artist. Uh, he had a, uh, an inn uh, where he sold uh, paintings, so he was like a gallery owner and uh, an innkeeper. Uh, is there any question about, um, rather like some of Shakespeare's plays, that he actually painted these pictures or just owned them? No, no, he, he, he definitely painted them. Yeah, yeah, that's something we do know because we have, um, even though we know very little about his work, we have a number of documents um, stating, for instance, uh, that uh, they, uh, he and his wife um, uh, received some, some pigments uh, for a painting. So, of course, he could Maybe sell just them. Maybe painting but the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it just seems, it strikes no, me very strange that yeah, there are no, no paint, no, no drawings, drawings, no prints, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not a, a Vermeer specialist, so... But from what I've read up to now, there, there are simply no drawings. No, no, I mean, I've never seen them. They, they, no. they don't exist, and that seems a, a little bit strange. Yeah. Anyway. No, 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 it's something that you, you wonder about, uh, but... Um, on the other hand, if we had done them, then I think they should have survived. OK, thank you very much. That's Vermeer, who's going to be everywhere for the next few weeks, yeah. and um, very nice too. Wendy Hosson, thank you very much again. You're welcome. Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk radio, with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk Magazine, all one word, dot NL. Arts Talk Magazine, dot NL. My name is David de Haan and I am curator at the Museum Prissenhof in Delft and I am also curator of this exhibition called Vermeer's Delft. And I think it must be one thing in Delft which everybody always regrets is that no Vermeer paintings actually live in this town. Yes, that's true, yeah. So this exhibition, yeah. because, because all the Vermeers now are in Amsterdam, the big mm -hmm. exhibition, right. and you've mounted an exhibition here which is things to do with Vermeer, mm -hmm. people he knew, places he went. So could tell me a little bit about how you went about arranging the contents of this exhibition. Well, we d decided to, to highlight sp specific themes that are connected with his life, for instance, like his youth, his marriage, 
the, when he became a master painter in Delft, uh, but also his, his artistic colleagues, uh, the cross-pollination that went on between different disciplines. So we tried to, to loosely tell his life story, but in the process focusing on specific uh, topics that, that are very uh, significant in his life and, and thus also shedding light on what kind of life he, he lived in Delft not only as a painter but in, in, in different roles uh, as well and, and, and just giving people uh, a sense of what it was like to be a painter in Delft in the mid of the 17th century. Because you've got a lot of things here. You've got a lot of paintings which are contemporary. You've got a lot of um, documents and there are there's even furniture. There's a carpet and a chair mm-hmm. and bits of pottery. Um, how many of these things were in Delft or how, much, how many of them did you have to go and search for? I think one quarter to one third is from our own collection and the rest are all loans mm-hmm. uh, from, from Dutch collections but also from foreign uh, institutions as well. We have some wonderful paintings coming from Germany, from uh, even the US. And uh, oh, uh, for instance, the Rijksmuseum also was a, a generous uh, lender to the exhibition. And but luckily, I mean, we don't have a Vermeer. That's true, but we have a lot of works in our collection that are connected to Vermeer that are from the 17th century that were made in Delft. So this is also a wonderful opportunity for us to show that collection in a new light. It's always maybe more interesting to know the background and to see the things connected with it than the things themselves. Yeah, for me, I mean, being also the museum in Delft, we are, of course, also a historical museum, so it's always about the story of the city as well, the the, the fabric in the city. And I think, yeah, once you get started with this subject, you can go on endlessly about the, the connections between people, between objects, uh, and we try to also show that visually in, in our exhibition to get people to make connections between objects uh, and, and with, with Vermeer as well. I think the context is all, always the almost as interesting as the pictures. There's one thing that's always interested me about Vermeer, which makes him, I think, unique, in that, that there are no sketches, no drawings, no prints. Why is that? I don't know. I think they've all lost. Actually, I have to say that we know very few uh, Delft painters who also left uh, drawings that are that survived. I mean, Leonard Bramer is a bit of the exception that he actually was quite a um, prolific uh, draftsman. But for instance, Peter de Hoog, we also don't have any drawings by uh, de Hoog as well. And uh, I th- I mean, they must have been there because at the time uh, painters of course were not painting en plein air but they were of course constructing their paintings in the studio so for for instance uh, view of Delft I assume Vermeer would have made sketches just to there must have been outline sketches, yeah. I mean over there in one of the glass cases is um, an inventory of his studio yeah, um, and that just doesn't list any sketches, any drawings. Any no, it, it does list easels and, and panels and, 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 and canvases and uh, brushes, but no, uh, no sketchbooks. No, no. they may exist somewhere. Well, who knows? We, yeah. You never know what's what what will turn up. But uh, until this, so far, we haven't uh, come across any drawings by Vermeer. Keep on looking. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed. My pleasure. I was talking to curator David Dehaan at the Prinsenhof Museum in Delft. His exhibition Vermeer's Delft runs until the 4th of June. Arts Talk Radio Online. Three minutes' walk away from the Prinsenhof is the Vermeer Centre, where I met up with local guide Luke Van Riet. 
Now, this is not called a museum because it doesn't, as we've already established, have any original works by Vermeer. Yeah, that's correct. We are called an information centre, Vermeer Information Centre in Delft. And uh, yeah, this, this, this centre is actually founded because we have no original paintings in Delft. And we have actually nothing in Delft. Even the houses where he lived are disappeared. So about uh, 10 years ago, uh, some people had the intention, let's do something. And it ended here in this centre where we have, that is the main, it's the core of it. Uh, there we have uh, all the known paintings of Vermeer here in reproduction. But the interesting thing is, although they're reproduction, and there are how many? 37. Because there's some contention over that, because some people say there are 34 Vermeer paintings, some people say 30. Anyway, the 37 pictures you've got here, they are reproductions, but they're actual size, and they're in chronological order, which is very interesting to see, because you can't see that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's also the reason why we have regularly people from televisions everywhere from the world. If they want to make a program about Vermeer, they can here film all the paintings together uh, without traveling. Yeah, the scattered paintings over the world, you should not do that anymore. You do it here. Mm. And on the movie, on the film, you don't see the difference between an original and a reproduction. Of course. So the building itself is, what, it's an old guild building, isn't it, from the yeah. 17th century? Yeah, it's the guild builder, so-called the St. Luke Guild. And in Dutch, the St. Lucas Gilde, and uh, it is the, the guild special for artistic professions, like potters, like painters, like uh, graphical printers, engravers, and glassmakers. Mm. Because not an enormous amount is known about Vermeer, is there? Um, we, we know where he was born, but we don't, we're actually sure which house he was born in? Yeah, we are now sure that we know the spot. The house is not there anymore. Yeah. It is an other house, and uh, where he lived, uh, yeah, he lived as a young, as a kid, is gone. And the house where he lived uh, with his family and where he produced the majority of his works is gone as well. But um, all his work was 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 based in in Delft, and I think a lot of the interiors were done in his own house. So that you see a lot of the same furniture yeah. and the same paintings and everything else. But one of his most famous paintings, which is called Little Street which is the front of a house, and you can see a woman working in the doorway and another one working down a side alley. There was a big argument about where the actual location for that was or whether it was a fictitious house. In a due of the years, there are about ten different theories. And the most recent one is from Professor Grijzenhout, and he, well, he, he, he announced that it was in a street called the Voldersgracht. And uh, yeah, it is okay to me, but uh, I said there are so many different theories that I would say make your choice. The museum itself consists of what? We're, we're now on the ground floor, which is a, a cafe and a shop, and the shop has lots of books and postcards, and uh, seems to be that the girl with the pearl earring is the most predominant picture, and you can buy reproductions of that on anything from a plate to a bicycle bell. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is also chosen some years ago as the most uh, yeah, interesting, the most beautiful painting ever produced in the Netherlands. This painting was chosen. And it's also in the Netherlands at the Maurits Huis in The Hague. It is still in The, the Hague in the Maurits Huis Museum, indeed, okay. yes. Okay, let's go upstairs. Right, we're now on the first floor, which is a big room, and there's a, a, a nice table which shows, I think, uh, Vermeer's techniques. It is uh, actually a uh, second intention of the center. It's not only showing the painters we have here uh, from Vermeer, but we also would like to introduce some yeah, techniques and uh, problems to be solved, problems yeah, for the painters to make good paintings. And what we see here is an impression of uh, the, the paint itself. So there are, there are jars of, of, of pigment, powdered pigment, 
and um, lots of information about his various paints. I think Vermeer actually used a lot of paint which was relatively expensive and difficult to come by. Uh, yeah, so-called uh, lapis lazuli, that is what Vermeer in intensively used, but it was possible uh, for him because his mother-in-law was a very wealthy lady. So Vermeer used a lot of uh, yeah, lapis lazuli or ultramarine is another name, and uh, we have here also little pieces of that. But he used some more uh, pigments, and we have there a list of the ten pigments he, op he then obviously used in his works. Because in those days artists wouldn't go down to the local art shop and buy a tube of paint, they had to make it themselves from scratch with yeah. the oils and yeah. the various yeah. pigments. Yeah. We have the pigments here as an example in little, little pots and we have here also an example of the most common uh, binder that is linseed oil. Right, and here we have a lesson in, in art, and this is um, all about perspective and how perspective works. This is the perspective area, indeed. We, we show there in the corner there you see the camera obscura, which was actually an invention, actually more or less in the Renaissance period. And uh, in the time of Vermeer, this thing was well known, even in a carryable version. And the advantage is of that, that camera is that you can see how something in three dimensions will be translated into two dimensions. Because um, painters' art in, in those days was very much a craft. It was like a silversmith or a goldsmith or a butcher or a baker. It was yeah. about very much a trade rather than yeah. what we would describe now as an artist. No, who no, was very no, much no. just uh, yeah, hard, hard-working people, uh, labourers. Uh, so, and, and they yeah. used tools, I mean, yeah, like, like the camera to get... The camera was one. It was the first painting where he obviously used the technique of pin and thread. And uh, that means that at a point in the painting or outside the painting where the lines, the perspective lines come together in the disappearance point, it was then the first practice to put a pin in the, on that spot and a wire. And you can put some chalk or carbon on the wire. And with that, you can also prepare the correct uh, position of lines in the painting. And there we have a screen where you, we can explain a little bit more about the effect of color. Because he, he actually did, compared with somebody like Rembrandt, his colours were really quite bright. It's bright. Uh, the light was bright because Rembrandt was in the, yeah, the clair-obscure uh, artist. Uh, say low-key and high-key diff are the differences you can compare Rembrandt and Vermeer. Mm. Where Rembrandt is the, uh, the, the low-key and Vermeer is the high-key painter. Oh, there's, there's, oh, I see. Ah, in the corner here, there's a little, like a little film set really in a little corner of a room which is a, a Vermeer room and you can actually sit here and have your picture taken in a Vermeer, Vermeer room do a selfie hmm. do you provide costumes as well <laughs> no 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 <laughs> so there's, a, there's a sort of square on the floor about two yeah. meters square and everything fits into that and there's a chair which is half in and half out of the, the set but it's been cut in half so it doesn't yeah. it doesn't leave the set of black and white tiled floor yeah right onward good Right, we're now on the second floor, the top floor, and this is where all the pictures are, all the reproductions of Vermeer's paintings. And each painting has got quite a large section to itself, which is, uh, and it concentrates on the detail and explains the detail and the context of the de detail and the domestic items. Um, so these paintings, although you have all the reproductions here and they're all chronological and the correct size which is interesting to see they really are spread around the world and I think yeah. there are f almost fewer in, in, in the Netherlands and in, in America I think there are a lot in America, America. America have thir 13, Netherlands 7, Germany 6 
uh, UK only two, uh, Ireland one, uh, Austria one, France two. Sounds like the football results. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. What we see here is actually more specific because we want our intention to be an information center. Yeah. It was very remarkable that did not, not only for me, but all the artists, even also writers or, uh, or playwriters, they used symbols to give more information. And the remarkable thing that Vermeer is that all his additional information is in relation to love and, and, and erotic. And that is what we expose here. And we have here explained the number of those symbols here. You can see them. Right, there's a whole wall in here, about so 15 or 20 little pictures, each with symbol. There's a little sort of, um, there's a bowl of fruit and there's a hand um, playing a keyboard and the lady doing, what's she doing down there? Drinking wine. Drinking wine. And a woman sleeping, resting her head on her hands, and a double bass. Orange cheek, so he drunk too much. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a prostitution scene. The guy is already yeah, starting the job by, by <laughs> touching the breasts of the lady. And on the other hand, he's paying her. And all those symbols have a meaning. Here we see a painting on the, on the background, and that is a ship in troubles at sea, which is very often used as a metaphoric symbol of the marriage. There, as you say, there, most of the paintings um, include or portraits of, of women. Do we know who many of these women are? No, no, do not know because we don't. Actually, Vermeer is an unknown person. When he died, too young, too early. He, when he died, uh, his wife immediately became in a bankruptcy position, and all the material they have is sold, gone. And the paintings were yeah, spread over, after 20 years later, spread over because one owner had the half the total production of Vermeer in his position. But when the guy died, his, his whole collection, 21 Vermeer paintings, were sold on an action in Amsterdam in, in 1696. Mm. And then, then the, yeah, the view on the paintings is lost. Because I think he was, in his day, he was quite well known. He wasn't as famous as Rembrandt, but he was quite well known. And then after his death, I think he was more or less forgotten for 200 he years. Was, he was not too, too known, actually. He no. was not too, too well known. But he wasn't unknown, whereas for 200 uh, I, years I, he was I, totally I, forgotten. He was forgotten, and uh, he was actually an, an accident, a French, yeah, a French guy, a French specialist who came in the Maurits house, and he saw the painting View on Delft. And he was so extremely um, yeah, surprised about that and the quality, he started to write about it in France. And he influenced the French writer Marcel Proust. And Marcel Proust began with an enormous yeah, quantity of works, but he started to introduce people who did study Vermeer. And they have also very interesting stories. And he is also, has then also produced the so-called Le Petit Pan Jaune dans un mur, Le Petit Pan yeah, dans un mur Jaune. And it is a very well-known uh, yeah, um, fact. And French people visiting his center are asking, where is that? Where is the petit pan? Where is the petit pan? But the, the, the incredible thing about it, the little yellow wall is in the painting. It is really right off to one side, to the right-hand side, and, and very, very small and insignificant. Yeah, there are three alternatives, but you can, you can also dis dispute about it. But you have three light spots in the painting. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, I, I leave it. It's up to you what you like to but do. But this, this is one of the few sort of landscapes which Vermeer painted. Vermeer, it's quite a long painting, it, which it, is a view it, over the water to the city. To the, to the city. It, yeah, if you call it a landscape, it, I would say it is more a townscape, actually. Yeah, but I mean it rather than domestic or portrait. Only two. The little street and this one is painted yeah. outside, and the rest is all an mm. internal... But internal. even the, the little street, which is a close-up of the exterior of a house, and you can see what's going on inside, yeah. so yeah. Um, the view of Delft is, is actually quite unique. Yeah, yeah, that is right. Right, we're now on our way down to the lower ground floor, to the basement, which is a bit darker and more like an art gallery than upstairs. And, oh, it's a huge room, and this is where all the reproductions are. And they're lined up in chronological order, in the same size, and they're, wow. So it's very impressive to see them like this. Yeah. It is indeed, we have him here in chronological order. And the remarkable thing is that you, you start looking to the young Vermeer, the younger paintings, he is not still in his process of becoming a master in painting. You see he used big, big paintings and the, 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 the subjects are mostly religious or mythological. But they're not they're not so big. I think the big I mean that's this oh, the first one's about a meter square and there's one a couple here which are about a meter and a half by a meter and a half. If you look more around, you see that the paintings slowly become smaller, 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 smaller. And but what is a technique which was also developed typically in the Netherlands and it's called fine painting. Fine schilder is the name. And it has to do with the fact that in the past Big paintings, big were for churches and, and monasteries, uh, religious uh, yeah, clients. But in the 17th century, it was here the majority was Protestant, so there was no Catholic church. It was even forbidden to be Catholic. So the the art of painting ging introduced themselves much more and oriented them much more on private uh, buyers in the house. And then you have better smaller paintings because the houses were not too big as a church or so big as a, as, a, as a convent. And even rich people would like to have as much as possible paintings on one wall because that, that reflects yeah, wealth and, and intelligence. So you see, for instance, the famous milkmaid who is here is a very small painting. Very small indeed. It's about, what, 40 by 35 or something. Okay, let's work, move around a little bit further. This is an example here, where you can see that Vermeer did not control the technique of the, the, the wire and the pin. The perspective, yeah, perspective very, no perspective on the floor. It's not good, the perspective. And there you see the first painting, where he used it. And they have found it in this, with, with X-ray or infrared um, techniques, they could show that on this spot was indeed a little pinhole. The music lesson. The music lesson, yeah. And the names, the Dutch names for the paintings, they are derived from the from the auction in Amsterdam, uh, because we even did not know the names. No, no, so there was no information. Vermeer didn't actually put any information on the back of the pictures, no date or no name. Lost. No diary, no letters, nothing. And that is very interesting for writers, because a writer can yeah. You can make it up. <laughs> can I make it up? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And nobody can contradict him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's an awful lot to see, a lot of interesting things. If you're interested in Dutch art, if you're interested in the Golden Age, if you're interested in Delft, or if you're interested specifically in Vermeer, there's an awful lot here. Uh, the only thing that's missing is the actual originals. Well, Luke, thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, most enlightening. And I would recommend that everybody in Delft or who visits Delft comes to the Vermeer Centre because it's well worth a visit. So that's all for now. Thanks very much, Luke Van Riet. Okay. It was a pleasure to meet. 
Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. I'm still in the Vermeer Centre, and as I said before, there are no original Vermeers here, but there's almost the next best thing, because another local artist, Rennie Jacobs, does his own version of Vermeer, and he's got an exhibition of them in the Vermeer Centre. Now, explain what you do. They're, they're all pictures which are based on or inspired by Vermeer. Tell me a little bit about some of them, because I can see that some of them are paintings, some of them are objects, there are even some photographs, so yeah. tell me a little bit about it. Well, there's a big variety of uh, all kind of uh, artworks which have been inspired indeed by the originals of Vermeer. Uh, well, I work in Delft, uh, so Vermeer is everywhere, so it's almost uh, certain that you're going to be inspired by Vermeer. But also I like the fact that these paintings, especially here, are so well known that it doesn't matter how much you mutilate them, they always will remain a Vermeer. And that's interesting. And what do you think Vermeer would think about that? I don't think we will be best pals, uh, but I, I, I certainly appreciate him very much, but I have serious doubts if it's the other way around as well. Mm, you may be right. <laughs> so, working our way around quickly, there's one of the, it's, it's called The Little Street in, yeah. in England, uh, which is the well-known one with the front of a house, and there's a woman in, inside mm. the house doing washing on a woman in the alley. But you've turned it into a couple of shops. Yeah, this is all about uh, how... Uh, uh, city sites are deteriorating and becoming empty and there's if you look at this painting then I've changed the little house of uh, Vermeer into an action and the other one is empty there's garbage there's prostitution there's parking problems and this is what our streets look like nowadays and I wanna uh, because everybody knows this painting so well and the beauty of it had uh, the romantic beauty of the original and if you compare that with nowadays then then it became hideous I think our street sides and you can see also uh, this woman originally was sitting in front of the uh, uh, house uh, I don't know what she was doing knitting or something and nowadays she's working behind uh, she's a cashier at uh, the action and that that's quite sad now I think possibly you have a romantic view of the old times because although there are now so. bits of paper then at least there's no human and horse excrement nah, I, 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 I only have an eye for the <laughs> ugliness of nowadays of course okay yeah. and the one next to that is a sort of very sort of abstracty view of, of the view of Delft yeah um, which this is well. This is a, a style I work in more um, uh, more than uh, than once. Uh, what I do is that I I first paint uh, a sort of replica of the original, and then I start uh, painting over it with the letters Johannes Vermeer. I want to know the English word, the schablone, uh, where you um, uh, uh, which leaves an empty space where you can fill it in with a letter, and I keep on repeating the letters Johannes Vermeer again and again and again and again and again and again until the almost the entire surface is covered with letters so it becomes almost an abstract painting but because the original is so well known nevertheless you recognize it immediately as uh, the view on Delft. You do. All right and um, of course the girl with the pearl earring yeah and this is another sort of abstract one but it is um Again, and again using letters to obliterate yeah. the picture. Yeah. Um, More realistic, uh, I would say, this one, but it's also because it's a bigger size. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the bigger the size and the smaller the, 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 the bigger the details, uh, the more realistic it will become. So it's very nice to play with this uh, variety of 
abstract versus realistic and uh, to play with the light as well. For Vermeer the light was very important and here the light seems to explode from the surface. And obviously I don't have the talent that, that, that Vermeer had, but I've tried to uh, recreate that in my own way. Mm. Okay, and some couple, ah, now these are sort of cartoony versions. A little um, bit, yeah. I, the, the, this is old work, I mean I made these uh, some 10, 15 years ago, and this is a style I was working in a lot these days. It's a bit of a provocation, I would say, almost against uh, the old Vermeers, because what we're looking at here is a Vermeer with a cartoon-like face, and there's been a lot of writing about his mysterious smile, and uh, the mysterious smile of the girl Pearl Earring is being explained here by some real braces. And they're made of real uh, iron as well, and molded lead, eh? they're sticking oh. out there. So they are, yes. It's, it's, to it's, give it's, the painting a bit of a bite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the braces on her teeth, and the one next yeah. to it, she's wearing a gas mask. Yeah. And the one... It's more about the air pollution and how um, our, our, our living environment is being threatened as well. And the one next to that is another one which is based on the view of Delft, which is yeah. view of Delft in a fairly far distant future with lots of skyscrapers, a jumbo jet flying above. Mm. And um, you have quite a pessimistic view of things. Uh, I, I make very happy uh, paintings about sad subjects. That is my uh, main, uh, main uh, ambition. And that's here as well. It's happy colors. It, uh, it makes a lot of people smile, but it is a sad sight, obviously, because I've uh, changed the view on Delft into a sort of uh, ultimate uh, pessimistic view on how bad it could be. I make fun of our fears as well in this painting because it will never be as bad as, as, as I've painted it here. Uh, and there's all these kind of problems that we make really big, like uh, all these empty shops a couple of years ago, that, that was a big thing. And nowadays it still is. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's coming and going. And uh, migration, a lot of people are so worried about that, but we'll need them anyway to, uh, to, to start working and doing our jobs because our population is getting gray. So I, I make a bit of fun of our fears as well mm. by putting all fears in the same time, in the same place, in one painting, you make them a little bit ridiculous as well. Um, one thing you've been working on for, yeah. I don't know, quite a long time, a year or more, is, is uh, making pictures out of tiny little figures. This painting, uh, We Are the Girl with the Pearl Earring, that's the name of this, the title of this painting. But, but these tiny figures, they're about a centimetre high, yeah. and I suppose they're made, I don't know, model railways or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that is correct, yeah. And, and you put, stick them in together and paint them in, in various, uh, they're objects because they're three-dimensional. Yeah. And there's one here which is of, again, the girl with the pearl, pearl earring, and this is made up of how many figures? Uh, there's over 6,000 figures in it, and I've glued and painted them one by one. So You painted uh, them as you went? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of work. It, uh, I ended up at the Fisio because I have something which is called a frozen shoulder now, and the price of that Fisio was included in the painting as well. <laughs> and what I wanted to emphasize with this artwork is that the girl with the pearl earring is such a well-known universal icon that she's actually owned by nobody. Uh, she's not owned by a person or a museum or an institution. She's uh, the possession, uh, she's owned by everybody. We are all the girl with the pearl earring. We are, we are, it's a collective uh, a possession. 
And I think the number of figures on, on that artwork will be greatly outnumbered by visitors to the various Vermeer exhibitions, especially the one at the Rijksmuseum. Okay, Rene Jacobs, thanks very much indeed. And um, I recommend everybody comes and sees this exhibition as a companion piece to, to all the other Vermeer pieces. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was artist René Jacobs talking about his exhibition of Vermeer-inspired paintings, which is at the Vermeer Centre in Delft. And now, as they say, for something completely different. who's the artistic director of the new European Ensemble and you are involved in a very new and exciting project. I mean, all your projects are, are exciting but, but this one is slightly different from the normal and it's based on the work of, of Escher. T tell me a little bit about that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we are uh, creating a project together with an artist collective called D-Frame which, um, which is going to be a combination of contemporary music, musical arrangements, and 3D visual projections. And it's a tribute to MC Escher, who, of course, is uh, we're celebrating his uh, 125th birth year this year. And he uh, is going to be honored with a, with a big exhibit in the Kunstmuseum. So that's also where we've chosen to create this project and, and perform this project on the 23rd and 24th of February. So what does it actually involve? It involves the, the ensemble playing and some sort of projections? Yeah, so <clears throat> Caroline Tönesse, who is the artist who created the projections, is using a uh, what is a, essentially a see-through screen, so you see the musicians playing, and uh, the projections are made on the screen in such a way that they appear to be three-dimensional and go over, around, uh, between, underneath the musicians. But are these Escher um, illustrations? What she's done is she's created her own illustrations, which are all inspired by the concepts and ideas of Escher, to, to map them into 3D. And to do that, we were inspired by, by a number of elements in his work. So one is this concept of um, kind of infinities, endless spirals, um, the other one is these dream realities that he creates. And, of course, the optical illusions, which are so central. The, the things like the infinite staircase or uh, the mirrors, reflecting mirrors, uh, and so on, which are all connected. And, and the audience are going to be uh, sitting like a normal audience. There's no sort of immersion, as it were. No, the audience will, of course, sit in a kind of, uh, let's say, a, a central sort of... Uh, normal theatre type setup, but in such a way that they can of course see the projections centrally and of course what you see is the projections and the musicians at the same time because of the the fact that this this screen as it were is, is see-through mm. so that's how the projections take on this kind of three-dimensional uh, component. And what music are you using? So we uh, are of course uh, connecting with uh, with Bach, who was Escher's great <laughs> inspiration, as it were. So we asked a composer, Vlad Maestrovici, a very wonderful uh, young composer from Romania, who was uh, in love with Escher's work, to both compose an original piece, as well as create unusual and very contemporary reworkings of several Bach pieces, which are 
cannons and um, and connect with this idea of endless loops and uh, and uh, counterpoints in in motives, you know, reflecting and refracting each other, which is very connected with Escher's work and which Escher himself said was an important inspiration for him. And of course, uh, the piece that shouldn't be missed on this project, which also has an important role, is the Spiegel im Spiegel of Arvo Part, because this idea of mirrors reflecting mirrors is very much... Part does that musically, of course, with a very simple melody, and uh, it goes up and then down and forwards and back, and this is exactly what Escher does in his art as well. Okay, so when's this on? So the 23rd and the 24th of February in the uh, Kunstmuseum in The Hague. And it's called Metamorphosis and something else. Metamorphosis. Yeah, the world of M.C. Escher, yeah. Okay, well, we should look forward to that. Um, Eminem Sam, thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much.